0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
1: Hey guys, welcome back to Thick and Thin with me, Katie Bilotti. Today is Wednesday. As I record this, I am late to the game yet again. Ugh, it's just been one of those weeks. I feel like I say that every freaking week, but this week has really just crushed me because I'm also dealing with some allergies. I just like have not been taking it easy at all on the weekends, and I'm gearing up for another fun weekend and then the following weekend I'm in LA, so I'll probably be recording next week's episode maybe in LA, I think, or I'll be in LA when it comes out because I'm going for a very quick little trip back over there. You guys know I lived there for like nine months, not even a year, but I lived there for a bit. I'm going back for the first time since leaving LA to go see my two friends out there. Well, a bunch of friends, but my two like very close friends from college are still out there. So I'm seeing them, a bunch of other people. Adam and I are going Um, just for like four days just to see the girls for their birthdays because I have been very lucky over the years because I have two really great friends that share the same birthday week as me because my birthday is coming up as well on the 27th. So we're all, well, two of us are Scorpios. The other is a Libra. Um, But usually we do parties together or like a celebration together, like a big one. But because we're on two different coasts, I'm just going for their birthday and then I'm going to come back and do my own thing for my very first adult time. Like I've never done my own birthday party as an adult. I've always shared it with someone, which is crazy to think about. But I guess like, I don't know, I'm not huge on like, let me celebrate myself. So the reason, like the way that it works is I'm actually throwing a Halloween costume party for my closest friends, my, I mean, it's going to be like, you know, not like a ton of people. Okay. It's gonna be a ton of people. It's gonna be like, you know, pretty decent party. I invited a lot of people on Facebook. Do people still do that? I made like a Facebook group. It's funny that we still like, I, I feel like I have no one on Facebook anymore though. So I had to like send my invitation, which obviously I made an invitation in Photoshop, made it really cute, sent it out to a bunch of people And costumes are mandatory. So I hope everyone follows the rules because I'm taking it very seriously. I'm not going to tell you guys who I will be just yet, but it's going to be legendary and it's going to be an amazing TikTok. And I'm so excited. Um, That's all I'm going to say. So my costume is pending, but yeah, I just received word that there is another Halloween party the day after mine. So, which I I think will actually be open to the public. So if you guys are in New York, I'll post it on my story at some point on Instagram. So you guys can come. We can hang out. But I think this means I need another costume. So now I'm getting a little nervous because I need to have two epic costumes now. But I'm wondering, I feel as though there's something in my closet that I can just like repurpose from previous years because I've had some pretty good costumes over the years. Some of them have been like, I don't know, pretty lazy, to be honest. In college, I kind of like dropped the ball a little bit only because it was like hollow weekend in college, meaning we had and I think we started on Thursday. So we had like Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, sometimes even Sunday, like day parties for Halloween. So I had to have like four costumes. So towards the end of that, I was just out of steam. But I remember one year I was a ballerina, ruined that outfit like the second I stepped outside. I was so many like ridiculous things in college. Like one year I wore a seashell bra and was a mermaid. And then I did the exact same thing. I did that freshman year. And then when I had like literal abs from just being (laughs) like not drinking alcohol and then senior year, I did it again. And I just like looked at the photos side by side and I'm like, wow, you know, the wonders of of, uh, discovering alcohol and how it affects your body. Anyway, I'm slowly but surely getting those abs back, working hard at the gym. You guys know if you guys follow me on Instagram. But anyway, I'm not really sure where I was going with this. Oh, yeah. L.A. next week. Seeing my friends for the first time. Excited. Well, not for the first time, but back in L.A. for the first time because I, my friends have come to visit me like once, I believe. Yeah, once each. I think once, maybe twice. Um, they've come back here because their family's on this coast. So they're bound to be back at some point they you know have stopped and seen us on the way but this is my first time going back to LA like back where i was super unhappy for a bit like not because of my friends obviously obviously we've gone we've gone over this we know this it's like there's no bad blood with anybody out there the reason why i didn't like LA was just i think timing and it just didn't i it just didn't sit well with me it didn't agree with me it sounds like a bad roll of sushi or something, but it just didn't, we didn't vibe me in LA. We just or LA and I, we just did not, we were not a, a, like a good pairing. I, I can't really put my finger on it. You know, New York was just way more me. And every second I spent in LA longer than I like longer than a vacation. I was like, okay, it's becoming glaringly just like, so, so, so obvious that New York is my place. So, you know, I'm here to stay. All right. So back to what I was saying about the Halloween birthday parties. So I'm very excited for this year's party. I think I, this is actually the first time I'm sharing the theme of the party because you guys know I've done joint parties in the past where I've done like old Hollywood and a bunch of like fun themes. This year, the theme is Halloween. So you can be whatever you want to be and costumes mandatory. Like I said, I kind of want this to be like the first annual. So like many parties to come. And every year I want to do a Halloween party because I feel if you're throwing a party just for yourself, it can get to be like, I mean, I don't feel this way when other people do it, but I'm just like self-conscious, I guess. Or like, I feel it'd be like, look at me. I'm throwing my, my own birthday party. It's all about my birth. So this is me being like, it is my birthday party, kind of. Like I want to do something fun for my birthday. And I feel like Halloween is always, like, there's all this buildup. And it's never actually that fun because in New York, at least you have to like buy tickets for things. And it's very stressful finding places to go that aren't overwhelmed. Cause I think a lot of people come to the city for Halloween, like from neighboring places. So this was my solution, like my solve. So I can have a fun birthday. Well, my birthday's on a Wednesday, but like the weekend will be, will be fun. And I'll have a place to wear my awesome costume And I'm going to be in charge of it. So I know it'll be fun because I love planning things. And I would say, I have to say I'm a pretty good planner. So I'm really going hard for Halloween this year. I'm very excited. I'm also getting a film photographer. So they're going to shoot the party. So there's going to be a ton of memes to come from the soiree. You guys will definitely see. Hopefully I will not have a cold by then because I I have a cold right now. I'm hoping to stay healthy when I go to L.A., I'm going to be taking like emergency to the max because I will be in impeccable shape on my birthday and during Halloween. So that is all I will say about the birthday party to come. I'm turning 26. I don't know if I've told you guys that, but that also comes with its own set of stressors as a business owner because now I have to register for my own health insurance, like pay my own health insurance. My parents, I have to get kicked off their insurance. That's like very, uh, very special birthday for me. (laughs) A lot of things are going to change. AKA I'm just going to have to pay like higher co-pays everywhere, which is so stressful here in the U S you know, obviously things might be different other places. I know they are for a fact, but here I'm just, you know, it's lovely, but you know, that's the one thing. My parents asked me what I want for my birthday and I never know every year, like what to say that I want for my birthday because I'm very blessed to have all the things that I need right now. Like things I, you know, there's always things I want, but all the things I need, I have. Okay. I don't need anything else. I actually, you know, I think my apartment's going to explode if I bring anything else in here. So I told my parents, I'm like, all I want for my birthday is for you To find me an insurance plan to sign up for because there's so many. Like, there's, it's insane how many options there are. So, I asked my parents very nicely to just figure out which one I should do, like based on, because they're very smart. My mom works in like the health industry, so she knows a lot. My dad just like is good at talking to people and figuring things out. And I just got very stressed the moment when I tried sitting down to do this, I got very stressed. So, that is what they are giving me for my for my birthday. Just I just need a name, I need a phone number and I will do it. Like I just need that set up for me. Or not set up. I just need them to like literally hand me the name and I will do it. So that's my uh, birthday present this year hopefully. But aside from that, 26 is going to be an exciting year, I can already tell. I feel like it's going to bring forth a lot of great growth for me. I can really really feel it. I think 26 is going to be a good year. And I'm just one year away from my golden year, which golden year, meaning I'm turning that age on the day of my birthday. So 27 on the 27th will be next year. And I really hope that I just like have my shit together by then. But who knows? Who knows, guys? Um, Anyway, that was like my 10 minute life update in the beginning of the episode.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. When you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit angie.com that's a n g i . c o m.
1: Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day. It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. But I do have some stories to share with you guys today because we are officially in spooky season and Halloween is my favorite holiday. So I was sitting around thinking like, okay, what should I talk about? What should I look into? What should I dig my uh, claws into and figure out some juicy information about? And I landed on Halloween. Like, I don't believe I've ever done an episode on the origin of Halloween. Where did Halloween come from? Why is it called Halloween? Like, what about, what's the significance of the colors, like orange and black and just all those things? Why do we dress up? Why do we trick or treat? Why candy? Like, all those things and actually I don't know why I said why do we trick or treat I just meant vaguely like generally because I have not trick or treated since the age of like 16. I believe when you turn 16 in my town they actually make it like illegal. Like you're not allowed to trick or treat when you turn 16 in my town. I believe. I think that's the the law. Because <laughs> they don't want like I don't know. They're like no, none for you. None for you teenagers, just for the kids. Okay, so everyone Hope you're in a spooky mood because we are going to dive on in to the history of Halloween or as much as I researched because I definitely didn't go into everything because I actually have a whole episode on superstitions, which covers a lot of the symbols of Halloween. I also have a whole episode on witches too. Like definitely dig back in the archives of Thick and Thin because I have a lot of this covered. Already. So I just, you know, dug into the other things and I'm like, why the heck is that the way it is? You know, I'm endlessly curious. Someone did ask me on Instagram today if I was a good student in school. And I feel like a lot of you guys would think that I was like definitely a straight A student because I do a lot of research and I, am you know, I, I do my my homework, so to speak. But in college, I very much so focused on the social elements for sure, which have definitely helped me in this life because I've, you know, I have so many contacts and things that I've done because of people that I met at parties, which is great. You definitely have to have a good balance, but I would say I definitely, um, put a little bit too much into that towards the end. I didn't graduate with honors or anything. And I was actually a really horrible test taker, but you know, I still graduated. And at this point, no one is asking me for my GPA, like my job. I don't even need a degree for what I do right now. So, you know, I'll, I'll say that I, I, I did fine. I did okay, but I definitely wasn't an amazing student. I loved learning. I loved lectures, oddly, and I loved taking notes, but the tests were just really, it was just where I crashed and burned. Anyway, all that aside, let's get into the history of Halloween. So Halloween, also known as All Hallows Eve can be traced back about 2,000 years to a pre-Christian Celtic festival held around November 1st called Sowin, which loosely translates to summer's end in Gaelic. And I will say, you know, after scouring the internet, historians have disagreed on whether this time period, you know, 2,000 years ago was the official origin. Some, you know, people say 5th century BC, which I believe was about 2,500 years ago, or... The Middle Ages, but what they do all agree on is Halloween has religious roots, religious-ish. Also, a super concrete direct connection between Halloween and Sawin, that holiday that I discussed, has never been proven since no one was around and is still alive, obviously, but many scholars believe that because All Saints Day, which is also called All Hallows Mass, on November 1st and Sewin are close together on the calendar that they, you know, likely influenced each other and were later just combined into the celebration that we now call Halloween. So that's not extremely important, but basically, okay, assuming that Sewin has something to do with Halloween, it was an annual communal meeting at the end of the harvest year a time to gather resources for the winter months and bring animals back from the pastures. Soyn was also thought to have been a time of communing with the dead. According to folklorist John Santino, there was a belief that it was a day when spirits of the dead would cross over into the other world. In these times, 2,000 years ago, it was believed that during Sawin, the veil between our world and the spirit world was at its thinnest. So the ghosts of the dead could just come on over and mingle with the living. And if you've ever seen Halloween Town, like the very first one, or I guess any of them, this might sound super familiar. I bet that they were inspired by this old superstitious tale. Anyway, the real juicy superstition was this. The visiting ghosts could disguise themselves in human form, such as a beggar, and knock on your door during Sewin, asking for money or food. And if you turned them away, this is legend has it if you turned away the ghost who was disguised as a beggar, if you turned them away empty handed, you risked receiving the wrath of the spirit and being cursed or haunted. So that kind of lends to the concept of dressing up and going door to door asking for candy or things. Um, and another Celtic myth was that dressing up as a ghoul would fool the evil spirits that were coming over into our world into thinking that you were one of them so that they would never try to take your soul. And I also recently figured out that ghouls and ghosts are not the same thing. I thought ghouls, like G-H-O-U-L-S, ghouls and ghosts. I thought for sure. I thought a ghoul was just a girl ghost, (laughs) but I was really wrong. My mind has been blown since looking into this. So a ghoul is a legendary evil spirit that robs graves and feeds on dead bodies, whereas a ghost is a spirit or soul of a dead person that becomes visible to the living. So basically, a ghost is a lot less or... Personally speaking, I'm a lot less scared of a potential ghost over a ghoul because a ghoul, like, literally, you know, is after dead bodies and robs graves, and a ghost is just kind of like chilling this, like, dead person that is visible. Okay. So now that we've gotten that distinction out of the way, back to the story of Halloween. So a lot of people used these superstitions thousands of years ago to their advantage you know, the superstition that the ghoul will not know that you are a human if you dress up or, you know, they come door to door and ask you for things and you have to give them things like the actual ghouls will come to your door dressed up. So you have to, like as a villager, if a ghoul comes to your door, you have to give them whatever they want. So villagers, naughty little villagers, would use this to their advantage these superstitious people and would essentially wear these costumes and go door to door and you know ask for things steal things and just you know say oh I'm a spirit boo whatever so that was something that obviously happened because people are the worst but just vaguely okay overall dressing up on halloween when did it start in the US So in the United States, trick-or-treating became a customary Halloween tradition only after it was brought here by Irish immigrants in the mid-1800s. Because as you might remember from high school history class, many moons ago, the Irish potato famine of 1846 forced a lot of Irish families to flee to North America and all of these Celtic traditions came along with them. And this included dressing up in costumes, asking neighbors for food and money, which I'm assuming was also necessary because of the famine and, you know, pulling pranks like Mischief Night. They also apparently brought that here. I don't know if you guys know what Mischief Night is, but I certainly remember Mischief Night from growing up. Uh, my lacrosse team loved participating. It was very much like a sports team thing in my hometown. Like sports teams would get together, like the football team or whoever, and would like prank other sports team members' homes, but like family homes. So it was kind of messed up now that I think about it. It was like, we would go to like the soccer guys, the the soccer team captain, like one of their houses and like, like club teams, mind you, a lot of them. <laughs> I was on club. We would go and like TP their house, yeah, TP their the tree in their front yard or whatever and like that was our mischief night. It was the night before Halloween in my town. I believe that's like pretty standard, I don't know, in the US at least. But yeah, that apparently came from the Irish. I don't know, that's what I'm reading on the internet. But back to costumes. Halloween costumes from the first half of the 20th century were terrifying for literally all the reasons that I just described because of the superstitions because of the you know the the basis in the supernatural things like that they wanted to scare off the evil spirits but then enter the glamorous 1920s America the Gatsby era and by the 20s and 30s people were holding these annual Halloween masquerade soirees in their homes and rented out saloons, all that. I read that these were prevalent in the 20s and 30s. I'm assuming more so like the 20s before the world started, or the world, the US started to crumble financially, and then we entered the war and all that. But anyway, according to my sources, during this time, masquerade Halloween soirees were to be had, and it involved both kids and adults. And so adults were getting in on the fun as well. It was, you know, something that wasn't just for kids at this time. And you know, enter the 60s in America, so some years later, this marked a massive shift in the way that we dress up for Halloween. Grown-ups in particular started ditching masks and full-on coverage, opting to show their faces. This is according to the director of NYU's Costume Studies program, a woman named Nancy Deal. Costumes became a way to play a lighter special version Of oneself, she said. And at this one point in this article that I found, I got this article that was amazing on um, costumes and the origin from CNN, which I'll have linked. They say Halloween costumes have gone from disguises to full-on exhibitionist, which is very accurate because costumes they aren't for sneaking around unseen anymore. They're very much so for showing off, either showing off your beauty, your body your creativity, your wit, your humor. Halloween, repeat after me, everyone. Halloween is for showing off. It literally is for showing off. So anyway, okay, moving on. We've got this tricking part of trick-or-treating down, like the origin of that. But what about the treat? Why do kids seek candy on Halloween? Well, there obviously is a reason for that. When the custom of trick-or-treating kind of started in the thirties, like the actual trick-or-treating like ritual, apparently like concretely started in America in the thirties and early forties, children held open their pillowcases and their sacks and went door to door and were handed homemade cookies cake, like little pieces of cake, fruit, nuts, coins, and little trinkets. So no candy, just like a bunch of other things that were available at the time to the housewives of America because this was the time of World War II in America. So things were definitely scarce. I don't know if this is the reason, but I'm kind of, you know, assuming here the reason why trick-or-treating became so popular during this time was because of the war almost to kind of maybe lighten things up, especially as the holidays were approaching and a lot of people's parents were, you know, busy at war or working in factories and doing things. So, you know, it made it a little bit lighter for the kids. Maybe. That's me just assuming that maybe that's what happened here. But anyway, okay. So in the 50s, candy manufacturers finally they got to it they began promoting their products for halloween it was you know obviously giving out candy for halloween was easy relatively affordable you know versus baking an entire cake or a million cookies and it just made more sense so eventually parents even kind of got wary of people poisoning their kids potentially with like cakes and cookies so anything that wasn't packaged up and sealed became seen as unsanitary, sketchy, like why on earth would you give out things that could be potentially contaminated on Halloween, like it became a no-no. And I actually remember my mom telling me growing up like don't accept things at, you know, at people's doors that look like they've been opened or something that isn't packaged. Like I was definitely wary of that myself as a kid. So then, at this time, candy became King. And it was in the early to mid 1900s when all of the main chocolate and sweet suppliers came out with their most iconic candies I found from some digging. So I'm not going to you know, go into each of these, but one story that I found particularly interesting was about the invention of M&M's. So a little SparkNotes version of how M&M's, the delicious candy that now I'm craving so badly, came to be. So a man named Forrest Mars was actually at the helm of the invention. He was the son of Frank Mars, who was a Minnesota-born candy maker. And Frank had actually invented the Milky Way bar, Snickers bar, things like that. So his son, Forrest, they actually had this massive falling out I have no idea what it was over, but Forrest the son ended up relocating to England when he and his father had this blowout fight, and this was when Forrest the son created the Mars bar in the 30s, and then in 1941 he launched M and M's. But the reason for the name M and M's is actually it's pretty interesting, or I found it interesting. So Forrest had actually correctly he had anticipated that World War II was going to happen, it was going to produce this massive cocoa shortage and alter the way that he's making his candy. So he partnered with this other guy named Bruce Murray, who was the son of a Hershey executive in order to have access to a you know more substantial, significant supply of ingredients to make candy. So they combined their last names, Mars and Murray, to make M&Ms, <laughs> which just blew my mind when I read this, like blew my mind. I mean, it's so simple, but like, wow. And I'm sure their dads had a total field day with this one. Very interesting. So, okay. Moving on to the next Halloween fun fact, tidbit from history. Have you ever wondered why black and orange are Halloween colors? Like when I think Halloween, I think black and orange, like a, you know a jack-o'-lantern or something, which we're actually going to get into the story of jack-o'-lanterns in a second as well. But I think of it like, you know, black and orange, it's like red and green are to Christmas, but why? So they actually stem from the pagan celebration of autumn and the harvest with orange symbolizing the colors of fall crops and, you know, fall weather and foliage, things like that, while black marks the death of summer. So orange and black. Okay. Another last Halloween symbol that makes no sense to me or did not until I looked into why it's a thing. Pumpkins, jack-o'-lanterns, like why do we carve pumpkins with faces in them? Or Rolex symbols, if you are my friend Adam Harrison, (laughs) you guys probably know. So once again, this has deep roots in folklore. An old Celtic tale Tells the story of a drunken farmer named Jack who tricked the devil, but his devious acts resulted in him being turned away from both the gates of heaven and hell after he died. So Jack had no choice but to wander around the darkness of purgatory, aka the middle ground, you know, between heaven and hell. So he was just lonely and it was dark. So he made a lantern from a turnip and a Burning lump of coal that the devil had tossed him from hell. And he used this lantern to guide his lost soul, the legend says. And as such, the Celts believed that placing jack o' lanterns outside their homes would help guide lost spirits that were just wandering the streets on Halloween. So it became this kind of like traditional thing. And they used to use hollowed out turnips with a small candle inside. And they would carve these kind of scary faces into them to also scare away the evil spirits. Like I guess to welcome home the good ones and like scare away the evil ones. I don't know how that works. But since turnips were hard to find in the United States when a bunch of people came over here with this tradition, they came to the U.S. and they couldn't find any turnips, so they turned to pumpkins instead. So that is what uh, gave birth to the modern day jack-o'-lantern. Which I'm actually kind of sad I don't have one in my apartment, but it would just like, I have no outdoor space, so it would go bad. <laughs> it would just like start to smell and rot. Maybe I'll get, well, I have a little plastic one that looks cute. It's like a white, aesthetically pleasing pumpkin, but I think maybe one of these days I should get a little orange guy in here. Maybe my next apartment, I'll have an outdoor space and I can like put some little jack o' lanterns out there. But I remember, you know, carving them growing up and oh, makes my heart warm thinking about it. But yeah, guys, that is uh, a little taste a little halloween episode for you all um i'm very excited to share with you all my halloween costume i'm gonna wait a little bit like till maybe right before halloween to tell you guys because i think it's also a good idea maybe like could be a last minute halloween costume for any of you guys but in the meantime i need to come up with a second costume idea so if you are listening and you have an amazing idea for me you know what to do. You got to send me a DM. Okay. Because I, I'm like at a loss. I don't know what to do. I think my most legendary costume ever in the past was the Sunmade raisin girl. If you guys have ever heard of her, like the girl on the Sunmade raisin box, like the red box, the girl with like the red, well, she had a red bonnet as well. My grandma, <laughs> she sewed me my costume and it was actually really convincing. And I I feel like there's no photo evidence of it. And I'm really upset about that. I'm going to have to ask my mom because that costume was like one of my best. But yeah, so if anyone needs a costume, made Raising Girl, really huge crowd pleaser. <laughs> All right, guys, that is it for my Halloween themed episode. Stay tuned until next Thursday for another episode of Thick and Thin. Also check out my other podcast, Match Made in Manhattan, with my friend Adam and Colby that comes out every Tuesday. Just type in Match Made in Manhattan on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and I will talk to you guys all very soon. Bye.